0: Um, come, be a part, um, and again guys, anything that uh, we're doing is kids programs or youth programs or SWAT programs, everybody's invited. We want to we all collaborate together. Um, as y'all have seen, our core values coming around. Uh, collaboration is one of those, and we want to come together as the whole church, uh, so you're always welcome and invited. Uh, uh, family celebration for our homeschool co-op. If y'all don't know, we do have a homeschool co-op uh, here at AMCOG. Um, they will be ending their semester soon, In April the 21st at uh, 5 o'clock, they are going to have a um, a showcase, just to kind of show you guys what they do, what they've been doing, and, and to be proud of them. Um, you know, we've got several different classes. Uh, we've got a drum class, a piano class, a singing class, Spanish class, um, history class. There's so many things that are going on that are evolved. Um, guys, and as we look around, we see this beautiful building that we've been uh, changing and evolving and, and growing with and we're trying to reach the community in so many different ways through our PDO program. Um, every day of the week we are trying to utilize this building. And so again this is, this is, this is more than just a church this is community and outreach. Um, guys again thank you for being here and I forgot to welcome visitors I apologize and and offering guys if you guys come forward <laughs> that's why I'm up here is to do the offering and to welcome visitors and I forgot I apologize visitors uh, there is a card in front of you uh, if, if you don't care to fill those out um, and I'll linger for just a few minutes to give you time to fill them out since I forgot to ask and you can drop those in the offering plate um, but again guys it, as it is Palm Sunday um, you know Thinking back to Palm Sunday, as he entered into the town, they recognized him as king. And I shared this with Pastor the other day, and he said, Man, that'll preach. But at the end of the week, did they recognize him as king? You know, so again, I, I challenge you to know that from womb to tomb, he was king and he was shaped, he was savior. And we love him. And that's why we're here. We're not here to see friends, we're not here to see family. We're here to collaborate together, to come into worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Guys, I love you. And this time, we'll go to the Lord in prayer for our offering and for the day. Jesus Christ, holy name, we pray. Lord, we thank you. We bless you. God, thank you for allowing us to be able, God, to come together, Lord, in this time. Lord, to lift you on high. God, to recognize that it is Palm Sunday. God, we come laying our alms, God, we come laying our prayer cloths. Lord, we come laying our palms in front of you. God, because as as Pastor preached about last week, as Isaiah 6 said, Woe is me, for I'm of clean lips. But God, you came and blessed us. You gave us a way out. Lord, thank you for it. Lord, as, as we come to you this morning, allow us, God, as Matthew challenges us, to worship you in spirit and truth. Lord, we come to worship you together. God, we... We come to exalt you as King of kings and Lord of lords. God, you are almighty. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. God, we come with our prayers. We come with our petitions. But God, most of all, we come to do your will. We love you. We praise you. Take all this and let it be a blessing. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen.
1: Would you stand as we continue our worship this morning? Hallelujah! Oh, to be in a city that day when they were laying palm branches down, saying, welcome, welcome, welcome. Yes. Hallelujah! Here's a good thing. We can say, welcome, welcome, welcome. Else and and he's worthy, he's worthy Who else is holy in matchless and glory? He's worthy, he's worthy of highest praise. Who else is holy in matchless and glory? He's worthy, he's worthy of highest praise. Who else is holy in matchless and glory? He's worthy of high He's worthy, 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 he's Celebrate the King seated on the throne. The glory is yours forevermore. Celebrate the Son, look at what he's done. The blood of the Lamb is over. Look He's done, the oh, glory oh, is yours forevermore, forever. celebrate yes, the Son, look at what he's done. done, the blood of the oh, Lamb has overcome. overcome, the greatest days are still ahead, oh He's just getting, just getting started. started, our lips will raise the loudest praise, oh we're just, just getting started. Glory. He's worthy, he's worthy of highest. Come on, praise. hey, who else is holy? He's matchless single ring, he's worthy, he's worthy Sing of glory. highest praise. Hey, who, who else is holy? He's matchless single ring. are still ahead, oh, he's just, just getting started, ahead. our lips will raise, the loudest praise, oh, we're, we're just, just getting started. Oh, so simple Here's where the dead things come back to living. I feel my heart beating again.
2: It feels so good
1: to know you are my friend. It feels so good. It feels so good. Come back to Living, I feel my heart beat. worship Him this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We praise You, Lord. We magnify You. We lift Your name. Hallelujah. You are worthy, Lord.
3: There is a King seated among us. Let every heart receive. Where there is praise, he will empower, there will be grace. Be dear, be right away. we'll be at home, the world will be over.
1: Christ the king above all.
4: that reigns above all others amen Amen. he is the king of glory and the king of kings can we take a moment can we throw aside every weight that might so easily entangle us can we lift up hands without wrath without doubting can we just magnify that king that we have been singing about lord you are worthy of praise lord we thank you jesus that you are in this place God, we worship you as the King of glory and the King of kings. We thank you, Lord, that you love us, that you died on the cross for us, that you care about every single one of us, that your passion is demonstrated by your walk that you walked on this earth for us, willing to be a lamb slain from the very foundations of the world. Thank you so much, Lord Jesus. You are worthy of all the praise You and you alone are worthy. You are glorious and righteous. You are magnificent. And God, we magnify you today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Has he been good to you? Amen. He is so good to me. Look to somebody and say, he's good to me. Amen. You might be see this morning. Thank you, worship team, musicians, want to thank the Shroves for jumping in um, and helping throw out these seats uh, as the carpet was put in. And we, I tell you what, I'm so thankful we got a lot of great people around here that just jump in when, when needed. And uh, we're getting our GMC building, not the Chevrolet, but the Global <laughs> Missions Center building completed and, and uh, Lord willing if you are interested in helping with putting together the playground uh, Lord willing this week if the weather permits <laughs> we will start on putting the playground together and and man just it's great to see so many who are willing to step in and and, and uh, be helpers be workers in the kingdom amen Amen. So let, can we just give those who've been doing all this work a, a big hand? <laughs> Amen. Amen. Man, God is so good. I mean, man, th- this week uh, I had the privilege of bringing a little devotion to the Parents' Day Out program. And we sat around in a, a circle here. And I talked to them about King Jesus and how he entered into the city. And uh, just to hear them uh, and their responses was just just so precious. And uh, enjoy being able to offer a ministry to our community where they can see the love of God and hear the word of God. And be able to be in an environment where the presence of God is here. Isn't that amazing? We are so blessed as a church to be able to love our community, to be able to um, really offer things to the community where there is a true need. And um, I'm thankful for all of our our folks around here. God is so good. We are so blessed. And um, I'm thankful for all of you guys. You You know, as I was looking over this, I, I was looking through Matthew chapter 21 and looking at just the titles and thinking of, man, this is to, to think of uh, how that the Lord entered into the city and how he enters into us, right? And how do we honor him with Hosanna, Lord save us. And, and, and then I followed through and was looking at that and was like thinking, man, he, then he went into the temple. And how does he go into us and cleanse us? Said so he went into the temple and he cleansed the temple, right? How many know that we need to be cleansed? We need to recognize Him as Savior, but we also need to be sanctified by Him. We need to be cleansed. And, and, and it's in that cleansing moment that He then began to heal the blind and the lame and the sick. How many understand until we allow Him to cleanse us, we still have to uh, uh, allow Him to be sanctified us. As a church of God, we believe in sanctification, right? And so we need to be sanctified Him so that we can allow ourselves to, to be operating in the gifts that He has for us. And... And we moved on through that scripture, and we see where he then cursed the fig tree. How many know that sometimes there's barren things up to, in us that we need to renounce and curse and say, get out in Jesus' name, amen? Because the Lord has called us and expects us to be fruitful. Yeah. did he say be fruitful and multiply? Yeah. And if there's things in us that are not fruitful, we need to say, Lord, in Jesus' name, cleanse us and wash us and make us whole. Lord, make us fruitful. If there's anything that would hinder us from being fruitful, then help us, God, to be fruitful for your name's sake, amen? And then we recognize the authority of God that he gives us, and we have a choice to walk as sonship, to fulfill his purpose, and to fulfill his plan. But as I was looking at the scripture, we find this Jesus entering into the city and multiple throughout the gospel, Luke chapter 19. And, and that's what I want to look at this morning is is to see this familiar story that we find and, and see that we call it Palm Sunday because they were throwing down branches and palms before him. Some people call it the triumphant entry of Jesus into the city. And this is where Jesus is walking toward the city and, and he stops for a moment and, and he sends two of his disciples into a nearby village, right? To carry out a special errand. So I'm going to read there in verse 29 of chapter 19, Luke Says that as he approached Bethpage in Bethany, at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, "Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there with no one, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying it, tell them the Lord needs it." Father, I pray that this morning. Lord, that as we recognize the circumstances and we talk about the circumstances of that day and how you entered, I pray that our hearts will be in tune with your purpose and plan for our lives. God, that we will not get called up in the pomp and circumstances, but God, that we'll be honed in to exactly what you want us to fulfill. Lord, that our eyes will be intent on looking at you and you alone as our strength, as the one who leads us, as the one who directs us. And Lord, may we follow you in all of your ways. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, when I look at this scripture, these two disciples had to wonder, what is he asking us to do? I mean, in, in all throughout... The time that they have spent with Jesus, they, they never saw him riding on an animal. He was walking. Everywhere he went, he walked. The only time it says that he was actually riding was in a boat, right? So you can imagine the wonder that these guys had. The Why is he asking us to go and get a donkey at this moment, right? And so all this time he's been he's been walking around and and he, he he even tells them the exact words to use. If if anyone asks you why you're untying these donkeys, he said, Tell them the Lord has need of it. And they're probably wondering in their mind, did, did he prearrange this? Did he go before us and 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 enter in and ask these people? Did, did he know the plan? That, that he had, did he, did he work this out beforehand. But it's obvious that, that Jesus knew what he was going to face. He knew what he was doing, right? He knew that what he was going to do when he entered into Jerusalem. And the decision to go into Jerusalem must have weighed heavily on him. It was a difficult decision to make. On top of that, to ride in on a colt on that day was a declaration of something. It was... He had walked into the city over and over, multiple times throughout his life thus far. And so to make this decision of writing a cult on this day was a declaration of his kingship, a public declaration of his kingship. You can imagine the, the idea and the thought and what he would face that day. Jesus understood that, right? Jesus knew what he was getting into. 500 years earlier, a prominent prophet named Zechariah had actually wrote about this moment in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Wow. So you see, it was customary for kings to ride in on a stallion, right? You would think he's riding in on this great white horse, and we see that later on. But he's riding here on a colt, and the difference is, is that when you, when a king rides in on a stallion is that he's riding in in a time of war. He's riding in at a time where he's showing uh, his force, his power, but in this moment when a when a king rides in on a colt of a donkey, it is a declaration that he is bringing peace. It is a peace time. So Jesus here was here riding in on this donkey, declaring his kingship, a kingship that is bringing peace to the city. Wow. Of course, we understand that, that this is the beginning of the Passover This is the beginning of the moment that they were celebrating uh, God's deliverance of them from Egypt and all of them. They were coming from all over. They were gathering from all over the place. And the city was overflowing with people. So obviously Jesus wasn't the only one that was coming to the city that day. Obviously Jesus wasn't the only one that was there to celebrate this Passover meal. When I think of the different ones that were coming in, I would think of Pontius Pilate the Roman governor, had already entered in and had already occupied the Antonian Fortress and the, the Praetorium was there, full complement of the elite battle-hardened Roman soldiers. They were ready to, to tear down and suppress anything that would arise against the Roman Empire in that moment. Obviously, there was Herod Antipas, the Tetrarch, the 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 king, if you will, of Galilee, the one who had imprisoned and beheaded John the Baptist. And he was there also uh, coming in with great pomp and ceremony. And he was there occupying the the castle, if you will, um, that his father had occupied, Herod the Great. And all of this movement around the city, such a display of power, such a display of pageantry. The people were seeing all that week of all this going on. And then here comes Jesus. Here comes this Nazarene coming in on a colt. The colt of a donkey, right? Fulfilling this prophecy out of Zechariah chapter 9. For the crowds were lining the roads that day. And Jesus riding in on the colt into the city was this, in this public declaration saying, I am the king. He's declaring, I am the Messiah. I'm the one you've been looking for. How would the people respond to that? How would they, how would they look? How would they grasp? How would they accept this, this declaration that he made? I'm sure that uh, they recognized that his kingdom was not of this world, right? Probably not. They probably wouldn't recognize that he's a spiritual king and his kingdom was not of this world, they probably wouldn't recognize all that. I mean, in, in reality, even though he had been teaching them for over three years of, of what was going to happen and what was going to take place, they still didn't get it. They didn't, they didn't grasp that. Perhaps some of them would greet him with laughter. Maybe, maybe they would be amused by this, this little carpenter. Isn't that Jesus? Isn't that the carpenter? And he's coming in declaring himself king. Maybe they were laughing at him and amused by what his declaration would be. Maybe they looked at him as a lunatic, a a fantasy, imagining that that he was coming in thinking that he was uh, himself putting himself as a king. Others probably would greet him with anger, upset because they looked at what he was doing as blasphemous and thinking that what in the world does he think he is? And the arrogance. And we see that in in, in Matthew, where even the the Pharisees look and says, why don't you rebuke your disciples? And why don't you rebuke the children who are declaring these things? They were angry and upset with him. Of course, at the same time, there would be many who would shower him with joy, welcoming him as an earthly king. And, and, And we see that. Thousands of them, many of them were there and and looking at him as somebody that would come and reestablish the throne of David and and they looked at maybe this is the one, finally this is the time, the one that would deliver us from all of the atrocities of Rome, right? Eager to place a crown on his head. Among those people there, I'm sure were those he had healed. Some of those were among the four and five thousand that he fed, and so they had recognized his his miracles, they'd recognized what he had done for them. So those types of folks were there. Maybe It was those who were there who had listened to him with great authority and how he taught and said, there's something different about this guy. And and, and I recognize that. I just want to be around him. I I know that there's something about him. Maybe it was the one, the leper, who who was healed by him and was leaping and jumping and dancing and recognized Jesus there. Jesus knew all this. He knew that just over the horizon, though, there was a cross. Waiting for him. Looming ahead of him would be this cross or monster, if you will, that would devour him in just a few days. Luke chapter 9, verse 51 tells us that in spite of Jesus knowing that this would be there, it tells us that he resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He knew it all. He knew what he was getting into. But he continued to fulfill the plan. You know, as I look at this story and I see Jesus and he's riding down toward the gate of the city, and the crowds are growing, and there's this festivity in the air. It's for his Passover, the pilgrims are gathering all from all over the place. Even before Jesus arrived, the news had already probably spread that this is, this is Jesus, the one that raised Lazarus from the dead. Can you imagine that? Have you heard the news? Lazarus died. Lazarus. But this man named Jesus raised him from the dead. He was buried. He was in the tomb. He was was decaying. And this Jesus come, and and he just yelled out, Lazarus, come forth, and And I watched him with my own eyes as he jumped out of that, out of that grave. And I watched him as they unravel the clothes, his death clothes on him, and and he's alive. And guess what? He's here today. And, And so you imagine the excitement. You can imagine the joy. You can imagine the intrigue that they had wanting to see this one that had raised Jesus, had raised Lazarus from the dead. Surely he must be the Messiah, right? Surely he had to be the son of God. The news traveled from one person to the next until finally Jesus was ready to enter the city and the great crowds had collected on both sides of the road. There they were. They were cut palm branches and they were shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna to the king! And they were throwing these palm branches and they were literally taking their coats off and throwing them on the ground as Jesus would pass by on that day throughout the whole city. Jesus looked over his waiting audience, and and, and I'm sure he must have seen the the different expressions on their face. There were those who loved him. Perhaps Barnabas was there. Y'all know Barnabas? Perhaps Barnabas was there. Y'all know Barnabas? But this time Bartimaeus wouldn't be sitting there with a cup and some old ragged beggar's clothes at this moment because Jesus had told him to get up and follow him. He wasn't there on this occasion saying, Son of David, have mercy on me. No, this time he was saying, that's the one. That's the one that healed me. That's the one that that changed my life. That's the one that would save my soul. That's the one. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Praise God, right? I'm sure Zacchaeus was there. I mean, he's already paid his debt. He's, I don't, I'm not sure if he climbed into a tree that day, but I'm sure he was there looking at Jesus as he passed by. I that's the one that changed my life. Y'all want to know why I gave y'all's money back? Right there. He's the man. They're saying, man, we better follow him. Come on. <laughs> and the lepers... I mean, they wasn't there with a bell around their neck, dinging and telling everybody to get away any longer. They were there with their skin back, looking good, saying, that's the one. He's the one that healed us. Thank you, Jesus. Jairus' daughter. Can you imagine those who laughed at the moment when Jesus walked in saying, she's just asleep and and he come back out with, with, with Jairus' daughter alive and well because he had raised her from the dead. Come on, right? Those people's laughter turned into, wow, what just happened here? And you know those people were impacted because Jesus had brought this young lady back to life. They were there. The lepers, all those folks were there. Lazarus and Mary and Martha and, and, and Mary Magdalene, all they were there. Their lives had reflected the love that was in their hearts for this one person who had absolutely transformed their life forever. Wow. But you know, just like we live in a world, that there's going to be some people who love Jesus. But there's also a lot of people who hate Him. There were some sinister faces Also in the crowd that day. Some faces who didn't appreciate Jesus coming in. The Sadducees and Pharisees were there. They were were supposed to be the keepers of the law. They are supposed to be the respected ones. The ones who everybody went to with the authority of the word of God. But yet Jesus had gained so much popularity that he threatened their way of life. He threatened them. So full of jealousy, they watched him, looking to see what mistake he would make. The Roman soldiers were there. You better believe they were there. They were there to squelch any kind of uprising that would take place. And and you know that as this big movement of people passed through the city, that that they had to be watching very closely to think, man, we we better watch out for this. This could get, get out of hand quick, couldn't it? God, let us get out of hand a little bit sometimes. Amen? God, let us get a little excited sometimes. Y'all, y'all, y'all look like y'all need to get excited a little bit sometimes. Look over to somebody and say, it's exciting. God. It's exciting to see what Jesus had done. Jesus listened and, and he heard all these, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. But he also understood that in just a, a little while, those same Hosannas will be drowned out by these sinners' voices yelling out, crucify him, crucify him, simply or either simply standing aside watching it all happen. Now Jesus descending along the road of, from the Mount of Olives across the brook toward the gate, and the crowds are literally just massing around him. I wonder what the apostles were thinking as they were walking. You know they were there, right? I wonder what was going through their mind as they were walking with him through this. I mean, you would think that, you know, although we understood where Judas' heart was at, you'd think that Judas might have been the one that was the most, the most ecstatic, thinking, man, I think he was the one who really wanted to see uh, Jesus set up an earthly kingdom. There was others, Peter. Peter walked out, probably walking with his chest high. Finally, I'm going to get what I deserve. He's probably got his, you know, his hand on his sword thinking, well, I'll just be ready just in case something happens. Right? And he said, finally, we're getting what we deserved after we've left all of our fishnets and our boats. And man, this is the moment. Look how glorious this is. They're all shouting for the very one that we've recognized a long time ago was the Messiah, right? Possibly there was Thomas. He was a little bit skeptical, thinking, well, this is, this is pretty cool. I wonder how this is going to end, right? Maybe Andrew was there overwhelmed. I mean, Andrew was the one who liked to bring people to Jesus one by one, right? And so he's looking like, whoa, wait a minute. What's happening here? This is a little too much for me. Then there was the sons of thunder, right? James and John. They're like, man, finally. We're going to set him up as the king. I'm on the right, you're on the left. Man, this is going to be a glorious day. We are going to have all this authority and power. Everybody's going to listen to us now. Uh oh! <laughs> all of Jerusalem, loving faces, sinister faces, anxious disciples. I mean, crowds were trampling almost over one another. But all of a sudden, the scripture tells us that the procession stopped. All of a sudden, everything just stopped. It's, it's kind of like you know, you're driving down the road and, 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 and you're in the middle of... Atlanta. Actually, the last few times I went through Atlanta has been pretty good. Let me just say Chattanooga. Lord help us. We bypass Chattanooga these days because you always get stuck in Chattanooga now, right? And so it's like they're, they're traveling down, they're going down, and all of a sudden somebody stops the procession. You can probably hear those people in the back say, Hey, hey, what's going on up there? Why are you stopping? Those who were close to the front saw that Jesus had stopped. Now, when they looked at Jesus, they saw him start shaking. Now, you know, you might think, well, Jesus is laughing. Wow, everybody, it's a a joyous time. Everybody else seems to be laughing. Everybody else seems to be in this joyous, uh, festive moment. But the closer they got to Jesus, they recognized when they looked at his face, he wasn't laughing, he was crying. There was tears of sorrow, tears of pain running down his face. As he looked across the city, as he recognized that something was about to happen. Scripture tells us that Jesus reacted emotionally to a lot of situations. I mean, when he saw the sick, or when he saw those who were hungry, when he saw those who were unjustly hurting, all these circumstances Jesus saw, and the Bible tells us that he was moved with compassion. Aren't you glad that Jesus was moved with compassion for you? And he was moved with compassion, but only twice does it tell us that Jesus wept. One time when Jesus wept was when Lazarus, when he showed up and he saw these sisters and they were saying, if you had only gotten here just a little bit early, our brother would have lived. I don't know why Jesus wept at that moment for Lazarus. I don't know if it was because because. G- because Lazarus had died? Was it because that he see- saw these sisters who he had preached to over and over again? Who, who he was sorrowful because they didn't recognize the anointing and the power and authority he had. I don't know. But in that moment, Jesus wept in sorrow and despair. Why was Jesus crying? The second occasion here, he looked at the city, he saw the, 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 the crowd, he saw the mixture of faces and, and all these masses of humanity who had who crowded together and he realized that there's a lot of emptiness in their lives. Had they not heard the message? Had they not received what Jesus had spoken to them, had had they not understood what Jesus told them His purpose would be on on this world? Luke chapter 19, 41, 44 says, As He approached Jerusalem and He saw the city, He wept over it. Wow. He wept over it. He said, If if you even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embarkment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the... And the children within your walls, they will will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Something to weep about, isn't it? They have no clue. All they're doing is rejoicing. All they're doing is exciting. All they're doing is, wow, here's Jesus, this one who's come to save us. And Jesus is saying, look, you don't get it. If you look at history, some 40 years after that event, literally, they came in and and destroyed. The Roman Empire fulfilled what Jesus said, and they destroyed the temple. Look, they had eyes, but they didn't see. They had ears, but they didn't hear. They missed the whole point of the message that God had truly given them. The fact that they waved palm branches literally showed that they didn't get it. Because it was their forefathers before them who had also waved palm branches when the Maccabeans came in against the Syrians and and had reestablished worship. So they looked at that as the same moment. They didn't get it. Wow. By waving palm branches, they were showing that they expected Jesus just to be another warlord king, to come in and defeat the Roman Empire to reestablish, to overthrow Rome, saying that they're ready to pick up the swords and shields and go to war. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, I did not come for that purpose. I came to show you a more excellent way. Come on, somebody. Jesus said, I've come to show you a more excellent way. i come to show you the way of love. He said, "Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you." Really, Jesus? Matthew 5:39 through41 says, "If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if, he, if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go with them one mile, go with them two miles." Those people who listen to him must have thought, well, those are beautiful words, Jesus. But you cannot be talking about the Romans, right? I mean, no way. I mean, he doesn't expect us to love Rome. He doesn't expect us to to show them love. That's a a ludicrous idea, a, a ludicrous command to love Rome. We can't love Rome. You know, some would say Jesus didn't understand what he's getting into, but... But I guarantee you Jesus walked the streets where 2,000 pe- Jews were crucified because of their faith. Seeing, seeing the Romans and all of their persecution, Jesus absolutely understood what he was getting into. Jesus absolutely understood the torment and the pain that Rome had caused. and He understood how treacherous they were and yet he still said, love them. Wow, I don't know about all this, Lord. I don't know. The nation of Israel had an opportunity to show Rome something they'd never seen. Rome understood the sword. They understood the power of the sword. They understood the the conquering power to defeat an enemy. But what they had never seen was the power of God through the love of God. And let me tell you something. The love of God is an amazing thing. Amen? Amen. The love of God is transforming. The love of God is more powerful than anything we could ever imagine. Jesus could have come with a helmet. He could have come with a sword. He could have come dressed With all of the armament, but he come as a servant willing to give his life. He come to love the world so that they could experience eternal life. Israel had that opportunity to show them a different way, a different path. But because they did not understand Jesus, because they didn't understand the mission that Jesus was trying to help them be a part of he wept over them he cried God help them these were God's people these were God's chosen people God had loved them he had led them across the wilderness he had led them into the promised land he had been with them through all this but they did not understand the Messiah when he walked in their midst because and because of that Jesus wept What a contrast, isn't it? Here he is, he's riding on this beast of burden down the road into Jerusalem, and he's seeing all these people rejoicing, and yet his mind goes to that moment where Israel would be destroyed, where the armies of Titus would come in and and literally put up embankments against the city and they would come in and and, and murderously destroy the city and tear down the temple. He saw the streets full of, of brokenness. He saw the streets full of blood running in the gutters. Hundreds of thousands of people crying because they had been starving to death because of what was coming against them. Jesus saw all that. All that because they didn't recognize the Messiah when he came. how different, their li- how, different how different their lives would have been. how different the, the, the history of Israel if they could have just recognized that moment as he rode in their midst. You know, both Matthew and Luke tell us Matthew chapter 23, verse 37 tells us how Jesus looked down on the city and, and cried out, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I have longed to gather you, your children, together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Well, guess what, guys? Today, just like the city of Jerusalem, we find ourselves in the presence of the Lord Almighty. We find ourselves in the presence of Jesus Christ. And I wonder, when he looks into our face, what does he see? When he looks at us, what, what does he see? Does he see people concerned with, is my taxes done? <laughs> does he see people concerned about, is my job security safe? Does he see people concerned with with being busy and all these things that we've added to ourselves? What does he see when he looks at us? What does he feel? What does he understand? What does he look into our hearts and see? Does he see people who recognize him as the Messiah? If we recognize him as the Messiah, how would we change our life? If Jesus was sitting here right now, if he was walking with you every day, which he is, would we do something different? I mean, if his physical being was with you every day, what would be different? Would we readjust something? Would there be a shift in our life? Would we... Reevaluate the things that we do, the things that we watch, the things that we see, the the people we're with, or what would we do? How would that look for us? Huh. When he turns and he looks into our lives, I wonder: will he weep for us, or will he rejoice with us? Amen. Our ushers are going to come in a minute as we ponder this to help us with communion. I sat here with those children some antsy Some we had to, you know, teachers had to hold. (laughs) But you know what I loved is, as I sat there and told them the story, I'd asked a question, and one little girl, I said, you know, Jesus rode on a donkey, and she looked back. She says, I thought he rode on a horse. And I love the enthusiasm. I love the fact that there were some kids there that their parents had been teaching them. They've heard these stories. I was like, man, that's awesome. But I ended, I said, you know, Jesus wants to be the king of our life. He wants to be the savior of our life. And if you want to know him as savior, you can make that decision today. I know that there was some 18 months up to four years old, five years old. I know there's various levels of understanding there. But I love the fact that I said, let's pray and ask Jesus into our heart today. And every one of those kids bowed their heads. And I said, Lord, thank you. For leaving your throne room in heaven. To come to be a servant in this world. Thank you for loving us so much that you were willing to suffer on the cross of Calvary for us. Thank you that you are not still in the grave. But you have risen and are sitting at the right hand of the Father. And I pray... That today, that we will accept you as our Lord and Savior. That we will recognize you as our King. We surrender our life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, that's your choice. Will you accept him as Lord and Savior? Will you truly allow him to be the King of your life? There's a whole lot of things pulling at us. We can join the crowds. We can do what everybody else is doing. But man, when we surrender to Him, Matthew six thirty three says, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added unto you.